Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Televangelist Podcast. I am your host, R.C. Carlton, and I have a very special guest with me today. I have YouTube sensation, E-Man of E-Man's Movie Reviews. How are you today, E-Man? I am blessed and highly favored. Thank you so much for having me. I hear that. You're trying to have some church in here already. <laughs> uh, and then my, my podcast name is a, a play on uh, church references. It's good to see somebody else yeah. uh, raised in the church. Uh, before we get started, ladies and gentlemen, I just want you to remember that you can rate and subscribe. I hope that you rate and subscribe this podcast, this podcast network. It is the Televangelist Podcast. is a part of a larger podcast network called the IB Network. And Emmanuel or E-Man, before we start, tell everybody where we can find you. Look, um, it, it, like like you said, uh, E-Man, just like He-Man, except without the H, movie reviews. You can Google it and you will find me everywhere. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, and definitely YouTube. Um, so yeah, definitely come and check me out. Just Google E-Man's movie reviews and you will find me. All right, so let's just get and just for those of my guests who don't know you, but you are you have a bigger presence than I do. But if they don't know you, you mainly do. Uh, I would say you do do some more serious movies, but you're, you, it seems like your bread and butter is like the pop cultural, the fan, yeah. the geekdom, as I say. How did you get yeah. started with everything you do? Whew, man, so. Uh... <laughs> Funny thing is, uh, you know, I always believe that everybody's a critic, right? Everybody's a movie critic. If you have an opinion, you're a movie critic. Um, the only thing is, I didn't know I was one, uh, what was it, like in 2013. I think I had went out, saw a movie, just like anybody else. I was on Facebook, and I posted my thoughts. And, uh, you know, a week later, did the same thing. A week after that, did the same thing. Said what I liked, what I didn't like, etc. Then for a couple of weeks, like I kind of stopped and my friends were hitting me up like, yo, like, wh- what are you doing? Like, <laughs> are you going to finish telling us like what you thought <laughs> about this movie or whatever? So I was like, oh, I didn't know y'all cared. I didn't know y'all was checking for this. So, you know, I started posting a little bit more and then people were like, man, you really got to have your own website. So I went and made a website. Then they was like, man, you really need like a fan page or something, you know, to put your thoughts together. And I was like, oh, okay. So I made E-Man's movie reviews. Um, and you know, like after man, what was that? 2013. I think my first YouTube video might have been 2015 or something like that. Don't go look that up. Um, <laughs> but you know, once I started doing that and I started, you know, getting more exposure to allowing my creativity, you know, to take form because I started writing reviews just like a film critic. But what I really didn't understand at that time was the fact that I really wanted to be a content creator that happens to love movies. So I started to expand and do um, bring my critiques to YouTube and um, along with the written stuff. And beyond that, I started, you know, expanding and doing theories. I had no idea people really, really love theories. Um, so you're right, like the the nerddom out there really started to expand once I started tapping into that. Um, so yeah, I would do, of course, you know, re- you know, major movies that would come out. But whenever it started coming to the superhero stuff, the the nerdy stuff, the sci-fi stuff, 
Um, that's that. That's what really started to pick up. Um, and you know, like, hey, a uh, hundred and what fifty something videos back then, and now we're here at like ninety three thousand fans and subscribers, and you know, it's just it's been a wild ride, and I love it. I'm I'm super appreciative for it. What kind of pop culture, or I guess pop cultural, or could be superhero stuff, but what what kind of stuff? movies pop culture entertainment what kind of stuff did you like growing up you know i mean i think i liked anything that would drive my imagination so you know of course obviously animated stuff was you know number one um looney tunes you know uh uh, gi joe uh power rangers you know like whatever things out there that was tapping into fantasy um, like that, that's, those were the things that I like grew up with, um, as a, as a young kid. And then like, as I became a little bit older, I mean, the matrix blew me away, yeah. you know, that, that, that just killed my mind. I watched that thing 50 times. I still never understood what the architect was saying, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. So it, it was, it was like, it was stuff like that. And then I started realizing like, oh my gosh, I think I love movies. You know, like, because I was just consuming everything, you know. So um, the only difference was I just started realizing, like, oh, I could actually articulate what I'm thinking. And that's the real difference. Like, sometimes people like stuff and they're like, man, I really like it, but I don't know why, you know. And I just realized, like, man, because I've been so deep into all this stuff, I can actually say what I like about it and why. And, you know, that's kind of like the small difference. But, you know, um, like that, it, to your question, it's it's one thing to say what I grew up with, but because it's been so vast, it's hard to even say what's your favorite because I love horror. I love sci-fi. Mm-hmm. I love dramas. You know, um, comedies, I'm a little iffy on just because, you know, comedy is subjective. And, you know, I kind of like that too, yeah. Yeah, like, you know, what works for you might not work for me, vice versa, you know. And to me, there's nothing worse. To me, there's nothing Mm -hmm. worse than you watching a comedy and you don't laugh. Mm. You know, so Mm -hmm. if I I watch Die Hard, I know John McClane's going to jump out the building every time and visually that's going to work. The worst action movie, at least it accomplishes that goal of eye candy and blowing up in fights. But if something's not (laughs) funny, it's like it failed the mission. You failed the city. Yeah, no, that's it. I mean, you have one job as a yeah, comic. Yeah, exactly. Right? That's it. Like, if you don't make me laugh, what are we doing here? Yeah, exactly. You know, what, what's so, our point? What's our purpose? Yeah, know? yeah. Uh, no, for sure, for sure. And uh, obviously, I'm. Uh, you saw mm-hmm. my Facebook post. You saw who I was. I assume you saw what I was. But uh, mm-hmm. we're both African Americans. If people couldn't mm-hmm. tell, what does it look like? And you, you do well. I, I saw your your. You're you're a big wig. You get this. You get the screeners or the Snyder cut and stuff. <laughs> um, but and I see you have you've had great interviews. I've I've, I've looked at lately. Um, so you're in that circle of influencers with movies and and have be somewhat influential. What's it like to be a black man in those circles? No different. Um, when I tell you, there's still hierarchies. There's still uh, challenges. Um, we all within that industry, within the, within this industry, within this space, we still have to work twice as hard. 
You know, um, I can tell you this right now. If I were a blonde, white, pretty girl, I would skyrocket on YouTube. I just would, just because the demographic is predominantly white males. Yeah. You know, um, you just, it, I don't know, it's just a given advantage, you know, because our black sisters are not rising as much, you know, in that space. And I would argue some of them have like really great content, mm-hmm. if not better than the more popular people that are out there, you know, like that. So, um, you know, like everything that I've done to get to this point, when I tell you, like, it has been nothing short of like a grind um, when it comes to time, energy, uh, money, you know, like I've, I've put a lot of time and money into promoting myself, into marketing, um, buying T-shirts, you know, just to get my name out there for people, um, you know, paying for ads just to promote because you can you can make something, you can write something, but it doesn't matter if no one knows you exist. Exactly. You know, you still you still have to push it out there. So, uh, you know, making networking you know, doing networking, joining organizations, um, trying to do whatever I could do, leveraging uh, relationships, you know, like, Hey, hey, I'll, I'll, you know, collaborate with you here and, you know, you do something for me. And, um, but that is something that has taken years to cultivate, um, that, uh, unfortunately, you know, our non people of color counterparts, um, not to say that they don't work, but they do have more advantages than we do. Uh, for example, there was a period of time, especially with YouTube, where I did not want to put my face on my thumbnails because I noticed that if I were to put, let's say I was talking about you know, the X-Men movie back in the 2000s. Uh-huh. Um, if I put my face up there, I'm not getting a lot of, I'm not getting a lot of hits. But if I put Hugh Jackman's face up there by himself, now it was almost like I had to trick people into watching my video. And then they'd be like, oh my God, he's black? Oh, okay. All right, let me see what he's <laughs> like, oh, okay, I'm here now. <laughs> I, I'm here now, let me see. But, you know, the fact that people were prejudging ahead of time, and, and, you know, this wasn't like a one-off thing. I tried this with multiple videos just to test my theory. And I, for a long time, I started realizing, like, oh man, like people, I'm just not getting any traction whenever I put my face on there, except when it's a black topic. Uh-huh. If it was a black topic or subject matter, now everybody wants to hear, <laughs> you know, from from the black man, you know, which I'm, I'm, hey, look, I'm cool with that too, because the other thing that I've kind of embraced is I don't have a problem um, because, and this is super ironic, I have no idea, but I have a large following of white conservative people, you know, which is fine. It's you interesting. Know? Yeah. But I, I, if you were to ask me, like, yo, who are your followers? I'd be like, man, it's a bunch of, you know, it's a good mix. It's everybody, but not like a large majority. Why, why do you think that is? But man, look, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. I can't even tell you. I, I don't know. Uh, because it's not like I, I dog whistle to anyone. It's not like I, yeah. you know, do anything. I mean, I think the persona I give off, and this has always been what I've striven, what I've strove for, was um, I want to be no different than, like, your friend. You know, like, if yeah, you go to yeah. a movie or if I go see something and I'm like, hey, man, 
Let me tell you about a movie that you got to go see. It should be no different than one of your boys talking to you, you know? And I I feel like maybe I'm just that one black friend for some people, you know, maybe, Um, you know, maybe I'm non-confrontational. I don't know, whatever it is. um, I'm grateful for people to just watch period. But, um, you know, I also use that opportunity to, uh, to educate, you know, and to inform and to increase awareness on things. So, uh, for example, Lovecraft Country that was coming on HBO, uh, you know, it was a predominantly black show, um, dealt with racism, Jim Crow racism at that. Um, but I, I used that series in my videos to be an educational tool as well. You know, like, yeah, you might be watching it for the horror elements and all the other entertainment, but I'm also going to tell you about the Tulsa massacre that inspired this. I'm also going to tell you about, you know, the sundown towns, you know, that they were running away from, like just giving people a little bit more than they normally would. Um, because that, that's my unique perspective, you know, that I can share with people. So as a black man, we still have challenges and it's it's not just me because, you know, it's, it's a lot of intersectionality that goes on here. Um, but yeah, for me specifically, you still have unique challenges that other people that are not black don't have to face. And I'll give you just one other example real quick. Um, I have to block, you know, cause YouTube gives you the option to censor certain words. Mm-hmm. I have to go in there and say, you can't say the N word, you know, like, or certain variations of mm-hmm. it. Because when I first started, it was up there. Jesus. Like, people would just comment for no reason. They didn't even watch the video. Oh, you N-word, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, what did I even do? What, what happened? Like, <laughs> I feel like YouTube I didn't, is I didn't even it say anything controversial. But YouTube you know, is a cesspool. The comment section it, used to be the lowest be. form of human yeah. life imaginable. Yeah. It, yeah. So that's something. But that in itself, the fact that I have to go put that word in my censor yeah. box that's not something a white person would ever have to do. You know, that's not something that they would even think about having to do, you know? So it's little things like that, like the thumbnails and the censorship, you know, it's little things like that. Not to mention, these are not things that, let's say you wanted to become a YouTuber or a podcast or whatever. When you go watch these videos that are out there that say like, hey, here's how you can get a thousand subscribers or whatever. They're not telling you these things because they don't know about, you know? So unfortunately um, for people of color, like we get into this space and we have to kind of take care of each other because nobody else really is geared to helping, you know, with those unique challenges. So, sorry, that is a very long answer. For no, 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 it was important. <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted to hit this cause we had that in common yeah. and, and I'm striving on some level to do what you do or not necessarily on YouTube, but with podcasting and Facebook and sure. things like that. Uh, so let's let's get to the good stuff. Let's get to the fun stuff. Okay. By the time this podcast airs, the Snyder Cut, everybody, well, I doubt everybody will have seen it because it's four hours or four and a half hours, but it will be available to be seen. Um, you could say as much as you want, depending on how you feel about it and your obligations, but what did you think of it? Look, um, you know, first I should say that I am a Zack Snyder fan. Like, I love what this man does because I think he is a brilliant visual storyteller. With that said, 
because I'm such a fan of his, I've seen everything he's done. I've analyzed this man's work. Um, I also recognize he has a lot of flaws too. Um, You know, and this is something that I can be honest about and still enjoy his work. But there are, there's a segment of people out there that like, if you just mention any flaws, you hate everything and you're just a Marvel fanboy and you're this and you're that. And I'm like, no, it's called nuance. You know, like I can love and enjoy something and still critique it, you know, um, because, you know, especially, and this is something that's been consistent. If you've watched Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, um, you see the tendency. So because I know his style, because I know what I'm going to get from him, watching the Snyder Cut was, there was nothing really surprising to me, you know? So for me, I liked it. Um, I gave it a positive rating, but I'm not head over heels for it the way some other people are, you know? So I'm kind of that guy in the middle. I'm like, yeah, no, it's good. But we got to talk about the fact that it's way too long. And when I say it's way too long, I'm not talking about like having a four hour movie is a problem. What I'm talking about is it's a problem for him specifically because he has the issue of wanting to add more stuff than needs to be. Um, there are a lot of scenes in this that could have easily been cut out. They And when I say that they could be cut out, they could be cut out without compromising what he's trying to accomplish. You know, like if you're trying to show us that um, the people in this town really love Aquaman, like we get it. You know what I'm saying? Like he's a folk hero. They're surrounding him and all this. We get it. We don't need a full minute of some girl singing about him and sniffing his sweater. <laughs> That's weird. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yo, message, message already received. We don't need that. You know? So it, it's it's little things like that when you pile that on. That's like, man, you could have made this great if it was just three and a half hours, you know, but again, you know, that's more the critic in me talking. Um, outside of that, look, look, the battles, fantastic, you know, because of the visual effects, uh, the colors, the way everything pops and um, the action is just ridiculous. Um, you know, so it, it's it's like, if you were a fan of his previous stuff, you're going to like this. You know, like I, I don't, I don't know, I don't care if you're even one of those Marvel fanboys and you hate DC. I don't see how anyone can say that this was a terrible movie. It's not. You know, it, is it long? Yes. Does it have other flaws? Yes. But it's still visually um, captivating. You know, and it tells a cohesive story. We get so much more background with Cyborg who got robbed. Shafty. I mean, yeah. my right goodness. This man had like 30 minutes of straight up good footage that never made it in the other, you know, theatrical release. So, I mean, when you watch it, it's like there's more emotion in this movie compared to the other one. So that's a positive. Um, you know, we're getting all the backstories for the heroes, uh, the flashback with Dark Side and the battles and stuff. Like I said, the battles are just nuts. They're just on point. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a better version of what we got in the last movie, um, despite whatever flaws might might exist. 
And, you know, I think the real advantage is the fact that we get to watch it at home, you know, on, on HBO Max. Um, if this was a four-hour thing to watch in theaters, I think it'd be way more taxing on people. Yeah. And it probably wouldn't be as successful. Um, he probably would have to cut old girl, the singing creepy girl, out of it, <laughs> you know, uh, and make those cuts. But um, because you get to watch it at home, and if we're being honest, my man had three years of listening to criticism <laughs> of to the adjust, previous movie yeah. to adjust. And I'm like, bro, you got an open book test. You already know what to what to add in. <laughs> you already know what to kind of take out. You know, like you 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 got the you got the cheat codes, you know. So that's what I'm saying. Like it's it's trash proof. You know, it, it, you can't call it trash. You can't call it a terrible movie. Because he does everything that needs to be done for it to be at minimum a good movie. The real debate at this point is, is it a masterpiece? Is it, you know, the next thing besides sliced bread? You know, I'm not that high on it, but um, I do believe that it is good. It is entertaining. Um, and uh, and yeah, I mean, it's it's worth the watch for sure. Why do you think DC, and maybe you don't agree, but I think most people generally agree with this. Why do you think DC has struggled in in the movie realm compared to marvel it just seems like the dc movies aren't as well received and the thing that shocks me about that is i'm a big fan of the dc animated universe and so to see how before you know the avengers and everything in the mcu the dc's animated universe was great but it just seems like with the movies there and i I don't hate i'm not as passionate as some fanboys are like I don't have like I like them all because they're all superheroes yeah. you know but I critique them but what so but why do you think it it seems like it's lacking on their end or um, uneven at best I think the the very basis is greed um, mainly because they wanted to play catch up with Marvel and it was kind of like y'all are running two different races. You know, Marvel had to play the long marathon game because they never had the rights to all their characters. So they had to go back in the bottom of the barrel, you know, take these C and B level characters. Because let's be honest, what nobody, even comic fans, checking for Captain America or Iron Man back in 2008. Definitely not. Like, nobody cared. Now we care about them. You know, now their characters are elevated. They got more shine. They're household names. You know, but before that, nobody was checking for them. So they had to do that because they didn't have all the, the, the weapons. They didn't have all the tools. DC's got all access to everything and anything. They can literally do whatever they want. But they were in such a rush to try and jump on the Avengers bandwagon that they also mimicked a lot of the strategies that Marvel was doing. So that the, the same way Marvel gave... Joss Whedon, the keys to the kingdom with Avengers. They was like, oh man, you you can do everything. We're gonna let you do Agents of Shield. We're gonna let you do uh, uh Avengers One, Avengers uh Age of Ultron. You got it. And he he was running with it. So DC came around and was like, We want you, Zack Snyder, to be our Joss Whedon. And they gave him the keys to the kingdom. So yeah, he gave you the Man of Steel, he gave you the Batman versus Superman, he gave you the Justice League. He was a producer on other things like Wonder Woman and stuff like that because everything and, and uh, Suicide Squad, 
because everything was supposed to be his vision. It was all supposed to work, you know, one way or another, similar to Marvel. But the greed started to come in because the executives, they started to fall under the pressure of critics. Um, some critics were saying that things were too dark um, and, and they had to add that Marvel fun. That's why they brought in Joss Whedon to butcher the previous Justice League movie. Um, and it was just, it, you know, I think at the end of the day, the biggest problem was the fact that they did not trust themselves to follow their own path and to create their own path. They was like, man, they kept looking over their shoulder, you know, at whatever Marvel was doing, and they kept reacting to that rather than just realizing, like, wait a minute, we have two of the most popular named fictional characters in Batman and Superman. If not, you know, with Mar Wonder Woman being, like, top five. Like, we can set the tone, and they just never embrace that. You know, I think they are trying to now. That's why all those execs got fired um, and replaced. Um, but it, it had to, to me, I have to look at the, the the top execs because like you mentioned earlier, the animated folks, they got it on point. Like they rarely miss a beat with anything um, and they show you how it's done. I mean, if the live action just copied word for word. I say that all the time. I say that all the time. <laughs> It will work, right? You know, so, no problem. I, yeah, yeah. I, hopefully this new management does a little bit better. I mean, they're trying with their little standoffs, you know, like Joker. Um, you know, they're trying to kind of do something different. I think the ultimate fix is going to be Flashpoint movie, you know, because if you do Flashpoint and you bring in the multiverse um, as a studio and comic books, you can pick and choose what works and what doesn't work. And you can rewrite stuff however you like. So hopefully they take advantage of that and they go that route. But I don't I don't know. We're, we're going to have to wait and see. Hopefully they get it together soon. All right. And the show of the moment, even though it's kind of on fumes now, but it's still a little bit in the zeitgeist, is WandaVision. Uh, mm. when, and you're kind of ahead of the general public because obviously you review movies and you get screeners and you interview people and you, this is what you do. You, you go and you search for things and you want to be in the know, but did you expect WandaVision to capture the public's imagination like it did? Not at all. It, it, I didn't even get it myself, you know, like, um, cause I remember the funny thing is like, uh, uh, for, for press, we were only given the first three episodes, you know? So watching the first three episodes, you know, I was like, oh, oh, okay. Like, where is this TV sitcom thing going? You know, yeah. like, how how long are we going to run with this gag, you know? And, uh, and, and I will admit, it was a slow start. You know, like, it wasn't something that just kicked off high octane and, you know, action and all this other crazy stuff. Um, but I think the fact that, the weekly format helps, right? The mere fact that we got a mystery, a big, huge mystery, and the storytelling was always leaving you on a cliffhanger week after week after week, that changes things dramatically. That changes your experience with the show. Um, you know, it's kind of funny because in my comments when I mentioned, uh, when I reviewed uh, the Snyder Cut, and I was talking about like how long it was and how the, it, it's a problem, because of the length. 
Um, people were saying, well, you binged, you know, WandaVision. What's the difference? And I'm like, no, we didn't. No one <laughs> yeah, it's not here, a binge. Like, yeah. It's not a binge. Like, we watched it week to week to week. And because it was broken up, like, you know, when the big reveal of uh, Quicksilver or whoever happened, Feature. we had a whole week to marinate on that yeah. and to speculate and to, to come up with theories and to fantasize and stuff like that. So when stuff like that happens, it changes and alters your experience with the show. Yeah. If we had a whole week finished, to react to it right. and theorize right. and dig deep. And that's what I would do. As soon mm-hmm. as the show would go off, I would dig deep yeah. and try to find the theory, at least at the beginning, and we'll get to that. But until I realized yeah. what was happening. But yeah. the first three or four weeks, like I was just digging deep and I enjoyed uh, figuring out the symbolism of Mephisto than I mm-hmm. did the actual show. Like it was like a whole right, right. thing. And but you wouldn't you couldn't have gotten that with the binge and the community aspect of researching together and seeing new theories. Right. 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 And that's that's what I'm saying, like, you know, what the Snyder Cut is doing, dropping it all at once, who's gonna sit here and be like, all right, let me only watch the first hour. You're not going like the movie is meant to be seen in one sitting. That's the way he shot it. Yeah, it's broken up in chapters, but it's you got it in front of you. What's going to stop you? You know, bro. So, let me tell you something. Uh, let me tell yeah. you something, bro. On a personal level, I know I can't do four hours. I, I got a plan to watch a little hey. bit at work. <laughs> I got a plan. I'm not gonna lie. I'm, I'm gonna have to break lie. it up. I, I can't do it. I fell asleep. I fell asleep. <laughs> I had to watch it twice. I'm not lying. Like I, you know, I watched it. I think I fell asleep at the two hour mark, mm-hmm. and then you know I finished it after later uh, the next day. But then, you know, I, I went back and watched it yeah. like in the full one sitting for four hours. But um, if you do need a break, the two hour mark is a really good oh, point. Okay. That's because good to know. The first two hours are all just set up. They're just, you know, they, they haven't even put the team together yet. Jesus. You know, like, right. Like they're still trying to work things out, and, you know, but you're getting all this backstory. Mm. You know, you're seeing the backstory for Cyborg, which is great. You're seeing the backstory for Flash, like why he's a hero, you know, or why he's a good hero in the making. Um, you know, so you're seeing all this background stuff going on. Um, and and that's what takes so long to, you know, finally get to the the real meat and potatoes, you know. So um yeah, I mean don't feel pressured to watch it in one sitting, but if you do, you know. I know uh, I'm not because I just I couldn't yeah. I, and I'm not a Zack Snyder hater. I'm one of the few people I feel like that defend Man of Steel. I mm-hmm. liked it. My kids liked it cool. a lot. They were really strong on it. But I liked it. I liked it a lot. Cool. I thought it was a good movie. I liked it too. Superman, it cool. Batman, I didn't hate it. I, I thought it was flawed. I didn't hate it. So I'm yeah. not, but I couldn't get through the Justice League. Like, I never finished it. Every time I tried to watch yeah. it, like, I, I had it on HBO, and every time I tried to watch it, I just couldn't finish it. I, I just. I would strongly recommend you do not go read back. Like, don't read it. <laughs> yeah, it's probably going to put a sour I'm just saying, taste. like, there's no, there's no point. Now, gotcha. You know, because what they did in that movie was so, in hindsight, it's so terrible. Yeah. It's just so Yeah, terrible. I really couldn't. Get, I, and I was surprised. Now, I didn't know about all the controversy with Zack Snyder because I don't mm-hmm. I don't necessarily follow the geek. I go in and out with geek culture about that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. So I didn't follow that he, had, he was off the movie and Weed came on and all that. But back to WandaVision. Now, I had this thing that I figured out. We did a weekly podcast with my partner mm-hmm. and I, Keith Fleming. Get well, Keith. He just had neck surgery. But we, uh, I, he was big into the theories about probably week five, maybe, I realized 
that this isn't going anywhere. This isn't what they're trying to do. Like the show yeah. is not going to be about the right. uh, theories from far out, bringing these new characters yeah. and bringing in the multiverse and bringing in the Fox characters yeah. and bringing in yeah. Mister Fantastic. And, and mm-hmm. I and I realized that. But how did how caught up did you get into the theories? And when did you realize that maybe our hopes were mm-hmm. what we were hoping for? We weren't gonna get. Yeah, I mean, um, now here's the thing. Like, you know, I'm I'm a theory maker. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Your bread and I'm butter. One of those guys that's making theories. Now, even though now the difference though for me, you never saw a single theory from me about Mephisto. The closest you got, the closest you got was I did uh, a theory on potential cameos. Like, if they wanted to mm. bring Mephisto in, this would be a dope person to play that part. That's the most I would say. But for me, it was maybe the... I want to say it was around the Pietro episode when he came out that um, that I was like, wait, wait a minute. This might be too good to be true. And I was like one of the very few people out there that was like, hey, y'all, I know we know we know that that's the dude from the X-Men movies. We get that. But the show never confirmed that. The show never said it. And I I was trying, I was pleading with people <laughs> to kind of be like, hey, look, don't say anything is this or that until the show confirms it. Like even the Darkhold, the book. I tell people this all the time. Nobody knew that was the Darkhold that was in Agatha's basement. No one knew that. If we have to be honest, no one knew that that was the book because it looked different from the Runaways and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and other, it looked different from the comics. You know, they mm-hmm. changed up the, the design of it. It could have been any old magic book. We don't know. We were speculating that, that it was the Darkhold, but it's not until the show actually says, ah, I'm using the Darkhold. Now it's official. And people were kind of blurring the lines with all that stuff. They were thinking so deep into this stuff that they were like forgetting the difference between speculation and confirmation. So for me early on, especially with the Pietro thing, cause I was like, I don't believe it. You know, I was like, eh, it's, it, it seems too good to be true. Um, that was kind of the point for me to be like, maybe we really need to pump the brakes on everything, whether it's mutants, whether Magneto's gonna pop up through the door, whatever, we need to wait until it's confirmed because otherwise, um, you know, first of all, we gonna have egg on our face, yeah. right? Because we, we, we gonna be the ones disappointed and it's not the show's responsibility to deliver on things unless they promise it. Yeah, exactly. Right? And the one thing I will give them some critique on they promised us. They promised us the aerospace engineer. That was dirty. They, that they was pretty never dirty. gave us that. That's the one thing I would say. No, y'all dropped the ball there because it was in your writing, and I don't care with these million dollar projects. Y'all don't write lines just to have lines. You don't do that. Every single word and letter in a script is for a reason. So the fact that y'all dedicated three different occasions, you shot footage. You edited it, and you showed us, hey, my engineer friend is coming. Hey, he's on the way. Hey, I'm texting him right now, and he never shows up. That's on y'all. 
you know, with the Pietro thing, you never said he was from another universe. Yeah, you exactly. never said he was an X-Men. You, y'all never said that. So I can't fault you for that. But that's on us fans to put weight on it. And I'm like, yo, don't put weight on no theories. Have fun with them. Have fun with them. But don't put no weight on them because if they don't pan out, now you're sitting here boo-boo-faced. You know, and, we, you know, we don't need to be like that. We can just take it for what it is. And um, the other more important thing I should also mention is um, when you start looking at, like you mentioned, we were hoping for mutants. We were hoping for the multiverse and stuff like that. That's a lot of weight for these shows to carry by themselves. Yeah. You know, and you have to think about it as these shows are about supporting characters that would never get a big time movie. Mm -hmm. Right. So because they're never going to get a big time movie, these shows are dedicated to building up that supporting character. And what do you think would happen? Let's just say Magneto came through, right? Like just in the comics, you know, he came through at the very end. He saved Wanda, whatever. For us, we're like, yes, mutants exist. Magneto's here. We with it. So now what's going to happen when we don't have like an X-Men movie? Anything else that they show, we're going to be like, where the mutants? Where the mutants? When Magneto going to come back? Where's Professor X? Where's Wolverine? We're not even going to care about Falcon or Winter Soldier. We're not going to even care about She-Hulk or Ms. Marvel or Moon Knight. We're going to be so distracted with the bigger reveal thing that we can't even give the attention for the supporting characters that it was intended for. You see what I'm saying? Like, it steals the shine away from them. Yeah, it does. It makes so, it too big. Exactly. If, it, if people have done what if it had done mm-hmm. what people wanted, you would have had mm-hmm. Reed Richards show up as the engineer. Yes. You would have had yep. Magneto, Professor X show up, yep. Mephisto, and some Mephisto. people even had yep. Al Pacino. I don't know if you heard this one. They said <laughs> Al Pacino was going to be Mephisto because of Devil's sure. Advocate. Yeah. Matter of fact, my pick was Keanu Reeves. <laughs> I was like, why don't y'all make it Keanu Reeves? Yeah, for well. that same reason. For that she- same reason, you know. But, um... But yeah, but you know, and I joke about this on my videos, and I was saying that like, if Marvel was left up to us, the fans, the Marvel Cinematic Universe would have been done in five years, because we would have put everything in so fast and so much, we would have just been done. We would have been had Doctor Doom. We would have had Galactus already, Fantastic Four. We would have had five Blade movies. Like all of that <laughs> stuff would have happened in five years. And you see Marvel is like, yo, we get it. Y'all want to get to chapter 19 of the book, but we're still writing chapter four. Like chill, you know? And that's, that's something I try to remind people is Marvel ain't worried about us. They're not worried about the comic book fans, the, the comic book movie. They're not worried about us. They worried about, and they have their attention on the non yep. comic book fans. The people, you know, your neighbor, your mom, your dad, we're going your grandma, whoever is watching Black Panther for the very first time, that's who they worried about because that's new money. You know, if I could bring in somebody new, fresh off the street that ain't never picked up a comic book, but now you want to subscribe to Disney Plus, you want to watch all our other movies and stuff, that's where the money's at. Because guess what? If Marvel drops a mystery movie, you don't even know what it is. You gonna tell me you're not gonna go see that? Exactly, I'm gonna be there. <laughs> you gonna be there? I'll be like, man, I don't know what this is, but Marvel's doing it. <laughs> Let's see what it Let's is. Go. Let's see, right? But if you're a new person, you ain't never watched no comics, you don't know nothing. You're not gonna go watch it. 
right? They know they can hook us, but it's the new people they got to grab. And that's why they make all their shows much more watered down than we would like, much more simplistic. And that's why I try and tell people, like, even if you're trying to come up with a theory for, you know, Marvel, is it the simplest solution? Yep. That's when I figured you know? it out because I re- looked yeah. at some videos and I was deep into it and they were saying mm-hmm. Feige, probably some of your competition, I won't name them, but they were saying Feige <laughs> goes for the simplest solution. And I was like, it. damn it. I was like, damn it. it. That's the truth. Yeah. It's always the simplest solution because you want the broadest audience possible. Exactly. And honest to God, this comic shit, I love it. I grew up reading comics, but it's dense. Mm-hmm. It's dense. Oh my God. I, Dude, in the comics, we've been talking about time travel in the multiverse in the 70s. <laughs> yep. 70s and 80s. And, and, and you we're know, just now talking about this in 2020. Right. And, and the funny thing is I'm doing a tournament in one of my uh, – well, I have a whole bunch of Facebook groups that feed into my main um, IB Network page on Facebook, the fan page. And so an entertainment group, we're doing your favorite superhero tourney. And so the comic nerds come in. I'm one of them, but I try to chill. But the comic bur- mm-hmm. nerds come in and say, well, it's Robin against Harley Quinn. Well, which Robin? And the and the people are like they were like well is it is it Dick Grayson is it Damien is it Jason Todd mm-hmm. you know oh, and, and oh we'll say oh Spider Man does Spider Gwen mm-hmm. count does Miles Morales count like mm-hmm. you know so it's like just those simple conversations can be yeah. so complicated of saying do you like character A against character B you have right. to simplify it because that's that's confusing that's what they do. you got sixty that's years of continuity or a hundred years yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So it's, I, it's literally that simple. It really is. Um, I for Wandavision, I thought it was two shows. I thought mm-hmm. the show was at its best when, mm-hmm. it, ironically, because I did think it started slow. I thought the show mm-hmm. was at its best when it was using the sitcom format. To me, okay. the last two episodes, it just kind of became like a a, a a Marvel movie and Age of Ultron slash Ant Man yeah. at that. I liked yeah. it, but I was a little disappointed. I thought we went the Ant Man slash Age of Ultron route at the mm-hmm. last two episodes. Yeah, I mean that was. I think that's where it's still a Marvel show. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like how like how long can it last as a sitcom? You know, because to me, I was sitting there, I was like, yo. I'm cool with the sitcom thing because that was nice and original. Um, but y'all gonna have to get to the Marvel stuff eventually. You know, like you're you're gonna have to give me some something to connect or at least to push the bigger story. Because think about it, the MCU is about telling one large yeah. story. You know, so for me, when I'm looking at these shows, I'm like, yeah, okay, it's cool that I get to know. Wanda, I get to know Falcon, Winter Soldier, but what's it going to do to the MCU? What is it? What is it telling me for the MCU? You know, like, you know, I'll give you one little theory right now. Um, I believe that the purpose of WandaVision was the main purpose was to give us an origin story for Scarlet Witch. That was the main mm. purpose, right? Like, we learn about Wanda. We are uh, sympathizing with Wanda, she's dealing with grief. We get all that. That's the that's the main crux of it. But for the MCU, I'm sitting here looking at this as like, wait a minute, you just created the foundation of the bigotry and discrimination that the mutants deal with in X Men. 
Because look at the way that the people of that town are looking at Wanda. And imagine how they're going to feel about other superpowered individuals. It's going to be Sokovia all over again. You know, we're like, yeah, okay, y'all the Avengers, y'all doing these cool things, but y'all still hurting people too. Like, y'all are still a problem, you know, or uh, you're a hero to this person, but you're a villain to these people. You know, so like WandaVision gave us that little bit of a sneak peek, you know, on a smaller level of um, the atmosphere that's about to take place uh, in future Marvel properties, I think. I do believe, if I'm correct, that uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier comes out uh, this mm-hmm. Friday. I guess they, they, I think they're dropping them on Fridays, like they did with uh, with Wandavision. Uh, you've yeah. seen the first episode at least, but uh, I, I struggle. It's it's a big change from Wandavision, and I mm-hmm. struggle to get excited. But I definitely was gonna watch it before Wandavision. But now that I've watched mm-hmm. Wandavision, I enjoyed it so much. I mm-hmm. feel like it's just going to be a retread because ultimately mm-hmm. you have a show about Captain America and you've seen a part of it, mm-hmm. but you can tell me if I'm wrong or not. A show about Captain America that Captain America's not in. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, okay. So keep in mind that this movie was, this show was supposed to come out first. Yeah, I remember that. It was supposed that. to kick off the MCU, but because of the pandemic and it got delayed, now it's coming in second, right? Um, and it, it's sad because this would have been the perfect intro- reintroduction yeah. after that long hiatus. This would have been perfect, you know, because um, the very first episode is very grounded. It's very, very grounded. I mean, you're going back basically to Captain America Winter Soldier, to that movie, that feel, that tone, you know, the, the story. So... It, it, it's not, you know, you're not about to see a bunch of magic and, you know, powers and stuff like flying around. Like, no, this is a story about Sam and Bucky. That's it. You know, like, yeah, there's going to be some political stuff going on. There's probably going to be some social uh, uh, issues that they talk about. But this is the purpose of this show, at least from what I understand, is it's going to talk about. Um, the politics of the MCU after the blip and maybe even during the blip, you know, like what did happen during those five years? Cause we don't know, you know, like us, the audience, we don't know how things went down. Even in WandaVision, they kind of teased it with uh director Hayward where he was like, you weren't here for those five years. Mm-hmm. And you know, you over here trusting superpower individuals and blah, blah, blah. And I'm sitting there like, what the heck happened? <laughs> What happened to you? Yeah. What went down that, that who hurt you? You know? <laughs> so I think Falcon and Winter Soldier is also gonna kinda tease that. And I mean, this isn't a major spoiler, but um it does take place six months after the uh everybody came back. So six months after oh, so there's definitely some effects and a little you rewind know. there. Okay. All right. So And I'm um, gonna watch it, but I definitely not gonna yeah. watch I'm not gonna be up four o'clock in the morning like I was at WandaVision to avoid no, spoilers. I mean, right. You don't you don't have to. You don't. So far, anyway. So far, I mean, I wouldn't say that you have to for this because the very first episode is the definition of setup. Mm. You know, like it's, it, you know, you got a really dope action scene. Actually, you've already seen it in the trailers. Mm. You know, when you see Sam, Fon- th- that's it. it. It's great. It's great. Don't get me wrong. It's really, really good. Um, but you get the action scene. 
you're gonna get a really nice backstory with uh, Bucky, you know, um, and then you're gonna see some real life issues that they are going through that's related to the MCU and the blip and all that, which is, again, it's a really interesting thing. Like, I don't want to say what they deal with, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're dealing with real life issues that you'd be like, yeah, how would you deal with that? If you're an Avenger or if you're Sam or who, like, what, what would you do with this situation? So they do kind of get into those real life grounded, uh, uh perspectives and issues and then at the very end, you know, they throw the little cliffhanger at you, um, which is going to get you a little bit more interested in episode two, you know? So, um, yeah, it's not something I would wait at three o'clock in the morning for. <laughs> <laughs> I know people will just because of what WandaVision was like. Yeah. Uh, cause you kind of had to, cause you didn't want the internet to ruin it. Yeah, exactly. You know? I got the um, Mandalorian yeah. spoiled for me. And I was oh, so mad. I'll man. never, I'll never forgive it. I'm I just, so sorry. It was so bad. Like, I, yeah. it wasn't even. I, I, I pretty much curate my Twitter and my Facebook, and this was like a legitimate yeah. source that said Mark Hamill on that Mandalorian oh, cameo. Oh, I'm like, oh, well, oh. SOB. Obviously, I know what his cameo was going to be if I watched the show. <laughs> you know, I know man. what happened. So I you never know. would know how I really felt about it because right. it got spoiled. You know, it's so funny you mention that because that that was one of the reasons that pushed me into becoming a film critic. Because, and I won't mention who it was, but a, a very prominent film critic at the time spoiled a movie. Like he had said something in his review, and I was just like, "What the heck?" Like, like now I know what's gonna happen. Yeah, you know, like 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 I know not just oh this little thing happened. No, like I know the you movie. You know what's gonna happen? Yeah. You know, and I was so mad, and it was one of the reasons why, like, when I do my reviews, and some people get upset about it, but I'm like, okay, go somewhere else, you know. But I do spoiler-free reviews. Like, my reviews are Mm spoiler-free. You know, I give you the good, the bad, and the reason, and then I give you my rating, you know. And then it's one of those things where, like, if you haven't seen the movie, you know enough before you go into it, but. And if you have seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you've seen the Snyder Cut and you watch my spoiler-free review, you know the parts that I'm talking about and I'm referring to. And you're also you telling know? people if it's worth their time or not. And that's too. That's you know? too. You know, I mean, and they trust you. I, yeah, I mean, like, and, and, you know, even that is getting kind of tricky nowadays because people have this assumption that you have to agree with me. You don't have to. Yeah. I'm, I'm always going to just give you my take. This is my opinion. And if you like if you go watch the Snyder Cut and you think it's a 10 out of 10, that's okay. You know what I'm saying? If I came out less than that, that's also okay. You know, I I am a strong believer that you should go watch what you want to watch and make up your own mind. And it's cool if you have a difference of opinion. It's obviously better if we all agree, <laughs> but just do it respectfully. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like I can go talk to my other movie friends and be like, man, I just did not care for the Irishman, you know, but I'm not going to knock you because you loved it. Yeah, exactly. You see what I'm saying? Like, I could be like, no, it was whack. No, you know, like, uh, why he do that de-aging and he ain't do the rest of his body and, you know, like, I can go, you know, (laughs) poke fun at it or whatever, but I'm never going to be like, 
you, you you're wrong for loving it or you, you know i'm gonna go tell people don't go see this movie like yeah the, the only time i'm gonna ever tell people not to see something is if i think personally it's just straight up offensive you know if i'm like no don't go see this because this movie is like berating black people you mm-hmm. know or it's insulting you know or it's you know demonizing this and that's the only time and i i don't even think to this day i have a movie that i would say that about you know maybe fantastic four because it's just that much of a train wreck it was pretty bad but, it was pretty bad <laughs> you know pretty bad. i'm like hey if you have to go see like we we look at car accidents right <laughs> so if you if you just want them people that want to see the car accident i guess have fun but yeah man that's that's where i'm at with that and and i will say i will say the name it was comicbook.com i think that's oh, what yeah, comicbook.com on their facebook feed they spoiled me yeah <laughs> i'm gonna call them out they've uh, uh, they been and i'm glad that people hold them to that they they were spoiling Walking Dead for a while. Jeez. They were spoiling a bunch of stuff. Anything and, for some clicks. I'm like, oof. that you should not do within 24 yeah. hours. Like, if right, you got, right, I know you got your clickbait, but you should not yeah. give a major yeah. spoiler. Like, yeah. or at least do that thing that they do. Some of them do. They'll leave like a blank by the name. And that's not I mean, perfect, at least, but. At least something. Yeah, yeah, it's an effort. But I had never had a show, uh, you know, and I, and I know who I follow. So I'd never mm-hmm. had anybody spoil a major show in that way and i went through the whole game of thrones thing and like think i, I never got spoiled for game of thrones like I, I just don't understand how they would do that but let me shift gears here and ask you one more question here uh sure. you if i am correct watch i read it wrong but i'm pretty sure that you are in favor of recasting the black panther t'challa uh chad oh, yeah. chadwick boseman role why yeah. you're one of the first major people that I uh, heard say that? I don't even know how I feel about it because it's such a a thing, you know. But it's you, a sensitive topic. Yeah, right? like it's it's yes. Um, so you know, I made a. The funny thing is, this started off because um, I, you know, I was watching Kevin Feige during the Disney Expo or whatever they were doing the investors call, and you know they're announcing everything, and I saw his announcement. Where he was like, yo, like Chadwick was so great. He was so wonderful. He is our T'Challa. And that's why we're not going to recast the role. And I was like, wait, what? What is that? What? And the reason why I was so shocked was because I was like, Marvel rarely ever will make a proclamation without giving some wiggle room. So when I'm sitting here thinking, I was like, wait a minute. Like you said that definitively. You didn't say we're not going to recast him for Black Panther. You didn't say, or, you know, Black Panther 2. You didn't say, we're not going to recast anytime soon. You know, like, there was no timestamp on there. So because of that, I was like, okay, if y'all are not going to recast, what does that mean? Are you going to make him a background character like Paul Walker in the uh, Fast and Furious franchise where he just kind of exists, but we just never see him again? And I'm like, if that's the case, that's gonna be whack. Yeah. You know, like if we're it's if called Wakanda's Black getting Panther. attacked, what? Right. I mean, like if Wakanda's getting attacked or something, like he's just chilling. Busy? Like he's just chilling somewhere. What are you doing? So I was like, oh my gosh, if y'all not gonna recast, y'all gonna kill him. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, because when the news came out about Chadwick, I cried. Like I, I'm more to this dude. 
it was devastating. Like I it was I, I was doing a podcast with somebody else and they told me in the middle of the podcast and I had to leave. I was like, oh my God, like this can't be true. This can't be true. You know, and I mean I like like I cried on video, not on purpose. Because mm-hmm. like I tried to get on video just to announce it and just tell people like, man, you know, my man had cancer. Y'all go get checked out. And it was like all just thinking about all this stuff and how young he was and all like I just broke down. You know what I'm saying? And for me, Chadwick was always one of my favorite actors um, because, you know, I got a chance to interview him. And when I got the chance to interview him, I was like, my career is done. I'm, I, I made it. <laughs> yeah, he made it. Yeah, good. yeah. <laughs> so, and this is before Black Panther came out, you know. Um, but, you know, to me, I just loved what he represented. And you're talking about like a genuine good dude. You're talking about a dude, especially now that we know what we know, right? Yeah. You're talking about a guy that was visiting kids that had cancer while he was fighting cancer, you know, and like being inspiration and stuff. And, you know, for so for me, he affected me both professionally and personally. Like I ran donation drives to donate to the colon cancer uh, coalition um, because of what he did with Black Panther and the representation. I, I bought out a theater you know, for my local community to come and watch it with me, you know? So it, it it's, it's like, he meant a lot to me because of what he did and what he represented. So the thought of no longer recasting him, I was like, wait a minute. So you mean to tell me, because I, obviously we're all in our emotions about this in 2022, after we've had enough time to heal and everything like that, you gonna kill him off again? How is that I didn't supposed think to about help it like that. That's true. How, like you about to reopen that wound that we just took the time to heal from. So I was like, oh hell no, no recast. And then I started doing more research. I started researching every single speech, every single interview Chadwick made. This man was all about passing the torch. He was all about. Uh, um, looking out for the other, the next black actor after him. He was so conscientious of other actors that he wouldn't even talk about the roles that he would turn down because wow. then it would look like the other actors were getting sloppy seconds, uh-huh. right? And I was like, my goodness, this dude is so thoughtful yeah. that clearly I don't think he would. Oh, and it, this was. Um, Roland Martin, uh, if you're familiar with him. Yeah, I am. Um, he talked with Chadwick a couple weeks before he passed. And Chadwick told him, I think it was via text, that, yo, the roles that I take on, Black Panther, everything, Thurgood Marshall, whatever, the roles I take on are bigger than me. They're bigger than me. As in, they should be continued. They shouldn't... I don't believe that he would be okay with the role dying with him and stopping with him. And I think, and the reason why I'm kind of pushing for this crusade uh, for recasting T'Challa is because people, and I understand for some people, there are a lot of objections. So if you indulge me a little bit, let me kind of engage them. Cause I know some people are sitting here already thinking a couple different things like, well, sure, you know, somebody else can be the black Panther. And what's the big deal? Like what, why does anyone care about T'Challa? T'Challa was literally the 
first mainstream black character in comic books mm-hmm. to be the he was created with the intention to be the anti-stereotype he wasn't the chucking and jiving soul you know, man uh, kind of uh, guy yeah. just the soul man brother of the 1960s keep in mind it was the 19 it was 1966 right in the meat in the heart of the civil rights movement and uh, he was made to be the polar opposite. He was basically the epitome of representation. Yeah. You know, he was the 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 brilliant, multiple PhDs, athletic, you know, uh, superhuman, uh, independent king of an African nation, never been enslaved or colonized or influenced by anybody. And he was the most technologically advanced. You you was ahead of the game of everything. What people don't realize. This man took on the Fantastic Four in 1966. That's like saying one person beating up the entire Justice League yeah. by themselves at that time. You know, so for for me, I was like, he is the reason Blade exists. He's the reason why Storm exists. He's the reason why Luke Cage can be his own character. Like, if it was if, if T'Challa didn't walk, people would not be able to run. Yeah. Black characters would have been supporting characters and sidekicks this whole time. And if you look at the MCU, he is at this time the only leading main black character. All the other black characters in the MCU are supporting characters. That includes Falcon. That includes Rhodey, War Machine. That includes Shuri. That like everyone is a side character. He was the only main character, just like in the comics, in the MCU. So I'm sitting here thinking to myself, like, first of all, my man is literally black history. Okay, (laughs) the character of T'Challa. He is literally black history. Now, let's address that other point that I know people are thinking about. Why don't you give the mantle to somebody else? There have been other Black Panthers. Shuri could be the Black Panther, too. None of that matters. It's all irrelevant. This is not about the mantle. It's about the character and significance of T'Challa. While T'Challa, he has 55 years of stories, okay, like in the comics. The mantle has been passed around, all around. Shuri had it, Killmonger had it, M'Baku had it. Like, a bunch of people have had the mantle, and T'Challa is always the center. He's still always there. Matter of fact, I would also argue he is the best mode of representation for black women. T'Challa is the one that uplifts black women in his life. He's the one that trains Shuri. He's the one that supports Shuri Mm -hmm. while she is the queen. And I'm sitting here thinking like, how many times do we always hear about black women saying, black men, y'all need to protect us. Y'all gotta defend us. That's what T'Challa does. He literally does that. He steps aside to uplift the Dora Milaje, to uplift Shuri and stuff. Like, that's actually what what Chadwick was doing as T'Challa in the first Black Panther movie. If you really go back and look, he was letting the women shine. Yeah, definitely. He wasn't trying to overtake them. He was stepping aside. Like, yeah, I'm still the king. I'm still the Black Panther, but (laughs) watch out for that Dora Milaje. Hey, check out my smart sister here. He was still giving them shine. So when you take that away, when you take that away, um, what ends up happening is, I believe, 
we start to play into, and this might be inadvertent, I'm not blaming Ryan Coogler or anybody of doing this intentionally, but we play into the racist, discriminatory Hollywood math that ends up happening in the industry. And what I mean by that is, when it comes to popular, fictional white characters, Superman, Batman, James Bond, Spider-Man, they get recast day after day after day after day. They ain't never been the It would be inconceivable if somebody said, we're not gonna recast Superman. We're not gonna recast James Bond. We're not gonna recast Spider-Man. Nobody would ever, they, a studio executive would lose their job immediately. Quickly. If they said <laughs> that. You, do you not like money? What are you <laughs> exactly. Doing? You know, so the white, super-powered, uh, popular characters, they get that discriminatory Hollywood math of addition and multiplication. But for black characters, we get substitution, division, and subtraction. I'm sitting here like, wait a minute. Why is it that you have to, your, your response to me is, let's get rid of T'Challa, but hey, we'll uplift Shuri. I'm like, wait, we can't have both? What The comics uplifted both? Why can't they both succeed? Why do we have to have a crabs in a barrel mentality where it's only one black person can shine and not the others? I feel like that's counter to what T'Challa and Black Panther as a whole stands for. It shouldn't. We shouldn't have to play a, a either or game. This should be an and type of situation, just like you would with everybody else. I mean, look at Spider-Man. They brought in Miles Morales, right? You still saw Peter Parker there. I mean, yeah, they played with the multiverse or whatever and, you know, into the Spider-Verse, yeah. but they didn't get rid of Peter Parker. <laughs> you know, when he came up in the comic books and Miles was getting popular, they didn't get rid of Peter Parker. He's still there. And I'm sitting here saying, like, yo, I want y'all to keep that same energy with T'Challa. After the success of Black Panther, the movie, the the rise, the popularity, and the huge expectations, you need to fulfill that character to live on but do you think it's because do you think some of the hesitancy is because of a whoever has to follow him that's a hell of a job and b it's because i mean he died so it's like is it on their thing is it it isn't just that you know we're tired of pierce brosnan you know we're done with christopher reeves or whatever it's that he actually died and some people might feel like moving on is disrespectful Sure. Now, let me, okay, so let me ask that. Let me uh, respond to that. First of all, with the, um, with the, the follow-up actor, right? As I mentioned before, like, Chadwick was all about passing the torch. Yeah, and that was a good point you made. He was all about that. Like, every time he would bring on a young black person on his, like, 21 Bridges, you know, him and uh, his co-star, like, he was like, man, I'm trying to, like, open up the gate for this young brother, you know, to do his thing. He would always go back to his HBCU, Howard University to uplift those other black actors because guess what? He had gotten a handout, well, not a handout, but you know, he got a helping hand from Denzel Washington yep. and Angela Bassett. You Great know what I'm saying? Speech. Like yep. these people helped him and that inspired him to help those that come behind him. So Chadwick would be all for, I believe, I think I could strongly say that, he'd be all for another black brother to pick up that baton. And run with the character because he also knows that the character is important. His agent said he never took on a role that he didn't think was really, really important. You know, 
So um, what I would say to the point about an actor feeling nervous or whatever, or maybe even fans, you know, maybe fans are like, man, whoever plays him, we gonna trash him or whatever. It's not true. Because the thing is, fans are like sports fans. You could have a losing sports team, but guess what wins? Winning. Winning, win, winning wins over people. If you have a trash team, but you bring in a Tom Brady, you know, yeah. you bring in a, 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 a LeBron James, all of a sudden you're like, hey, 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 I think we got some championship aspirations here. You know, <laughs> like, so, you know, like, like, that's what I'm kind of, that's what I'm trying to say. Like, if you bring in a quality actor, not some new person, I wouldn't bring in somebody just fresh and new. You got to bring in somebody with a little cachet and somebody who we know, but we didn't know was so good. And that's why I've mentioned people like Yahya uh, Abdul-Mateen, the second brother mm-hmm. that played um, Black Manta, you know, uh, brother that played um, uh, Dr. Manhattan in mm-hmm. the uh, Watchmen series. HBO like, show, yep. Yeah, on the HBO show. Um if you, you like, you know his face. He's not like or Aldis Hodge. You know, like if you want to go that route. Uh, some other people have tossed around uh, John David Washington. You know, after seeing him in Tenet. You know, and people are like, oh man, he could act. act. He oh, could do okay. it. Yeah, you he know? could do it. Like he could do it. So my thing is like, you know, when you get somebody with some name cachet, but that also has talent, because you can't just throw in anybody with a name. You got to actually have some talent too to win people over. People will be convinced because for us. Well, not me per se, but for the average person, they don't have the perspective of a casting director or a Hollywood director. You go to a movie to look for entertainment. Mm -hmm. You don't look for who's actually got skill, who's actually got, you know, it's the same way like we go as sports fans to watch people entertain us, the slam dunk, throw the touchdowns. We're not talent scouts. We're not coaches. We're not looking at how's his agility. How's his speed skills? How's his jumping? We're not looking for that stuff. You know, so for us, we are not the best gauge of talent. And it's how many times have we been proven wrong? We clowned the internet, clowned Heath Ledger when he was announced to be Joker. That was like the the guy from A Knight's Tale? The dude <laughs> from Brokeback Mountain? Him? Y'all want him as Joker? Oh, yeah, no. Being one I of the great performances of all time. Yeah, they was like, man, I can't see nobody else except Jack Nicholson. He's the only person that could be Joker. And what happened? He blew us away. And what happened even after that? My man passed away. It was tragic. You know, and people was like, man, can't nobody be Joker after him. Well, King Phoenix walks through the door, wins best actor for the role. You skipped the guy. I did. <laughs> I did. I did. You're right. You know, for good now, reason. Now, to to be fair, that also supports my my the point, theory. Though, yeah, even the villains. That, that you they, made me think of that. Even re- the villains, they'll recast them. They will recast him with all the energy because they care about the character. They they gave they they had two jokers right after that after his passing. You know, and, and they was gonna do like multiple Joker movies. Some of them got nixed, but you know that was the thing. They were planning on that. Like I said, that discriminatory Hollywood math, they will put all that energy in the white popular characters. But the one time we have the most popular black leading fictional character who I would argue has all the potential 
to be the next Iron Man, the next Captain America on that level, they don't want to recast them. I get it. It's for emotional reasons, but what are you doing? Now, to the question of whether or not this was disrespectful, I would argue that it's not disrespectful. Um, if anything, it's actually more honoring than anything. Like I said, I have strong reason to believe that Chadwick would be in line with this. Not to mention this. Chadwick Bozeman, what are we doing? We're talking about trying to honor somebody, right? Was Black Panther his only role? Are we supposed to only remember him for that? I'm sitting here thinking like, yo, if I want to honor Chadwick Bozeman, can I honor the man for everything he did? Can I honor him for Jackie Robinson, for James Brown, for Thurgood Marshall, for T'Challa, and for his fantastic award-caliber performance in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom? My man was an actor's actor. He was the actor that other actors looked at. He was the actor that would be like, you know what, forget Hollywood, let me go do this Broadway play. I don't think, I think it's actually more disrespectful to limit this man's work and his life to just honoring him as T'Challa in this one role. I believe we should uplift Chadwick, the human being, because he was more than T'Challa. But at the same time, we can uplift and fulfill to continue the work, fulfill the character of T'Challa, because that continues the work that this man put his blood, sweat, and tears into building. He was playing this role with cancer, and in his contract, he had the idea of playing in Black Panther 3. He knew he had cancer, and he was still dedicated to playing beyond Black Panther 2, all the way to Black Panther 3. That's how much he believed in the character. He didn't sign no one-year contract like, I right, yeah, whatever. He believed in it. So I'm sitting here thinking, like, if my man had that much foresight, if we kill it right there, it defeats all the work that he put into it. Because the one question I'll ask just anybody who thinks it's disrespectful, how do you kill a legacy? How do you kill a legend by stopping their story? Nobody remembers a legend that doesn't have their story retold for the ages. Mm -hmm. We remember Hercules because you always see a Hercules. You got a TV show. You got him as a character. You got him as a movie. You got, you see that. Has anyone talked about in casual conversation, you tell me in your nerd spheres, groups and stuff, has anyone talked about the bionic man or the $6 million man? Been a while, been a while. Been a while, right? Like not even in casual conversation. Last time I heard about it was Mark Wahlberg maybe doing a movie and that, that fell through, right? Why? Nobody talks about him. Nobody under the age of 20 knows who he is because the role has never been recast. We still remember Christopher Reeves. Why? Because Henry Cavill's Superman. And because we've always had Superman. Mm. We still remember Sean Connery, Roger Moore. These are people that have passed away. And we still remember them because there's a Daniel Craig. The roles keep the memories alive. So if we're really sitting here talking about, yo, we got to remember Chadwick and let's respect his memory, keep the role going. Let's not kill his work. I don't want I don't want all his work to die literally with him. That's how he will get forgotten. Because you have to think about the attention span of a lot of moviegoers too. In 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now, and by the way, 
Marvel does not reboot. People are the, under the false assumption that Marvel reboots. They don't even reboot in their comics. They do soft changes. You know, even the multiverse might be a soft change, but everything else still counts. So they're not about to be like, all right, everybody, let's stop. And then uh, let's do an Iron Man movie in like 20 years and start all over. That's not what's going to happen. They're just going to keep this story going, which means if y'all don't recast, that means you kill his character right then and there. Forever. And maybe, let's just say Shuri's super popular. Let's just say that happens. And then let's say, you know, another 10 years from now, um, you know, Killmonger Jr. or I don't know, whoever, you know, takes on the mantle at that point. Like, who's going to care about T'Challa at that point, 20 years from now? Who's going to care about him? They'll care more about the mantle than they will about the character. And that's why I'm like, no, like, keep my man going. Y'all didn't kill him in the animated cartoons that you got going. You didn't kill him in the comic books that's been going on for 55 plus years. Why are you stopping him here? You definitely made your case to me. I think you uh, you bring up <laughs> some really good points because it's just it would. And then when you look at the racial aspect of it, you're 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 cutting off our most popular African American character. Yeah. Basically, at this point after the movie, if you ask a mm-hmm. regular person, a black superhero, and they would they would say they might not say Chichala, but they would say Black Panther. Like it made him a yeah. household name. Right. We don't have right. a household name that my mama right. would know. That you know, right? That 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 people that and, don't have anything to let, do with comics me, would know. Yeah, and let me let me also kind of dispel something else because people are making this this conflation, and that we we really shouldn't do this. Chadwick is not T'Challa. T'Challa is not Chadwick. They're two separate people that should both two separate figures that should be honored separately. You know, Ch- like I said, Chadwick was more than just T'Challa. This man was a humanitarian. He was a phenomenal actor, a great husband. You know what I'm saying? He was a great human being. T'Challa is a huge, uh, you know, uh, significant figure, especially with representation and historical heritage for the genre. They both need to be respected on their own levels. So when we sit here and be like, nah, man, you know, Black Panther is T'Challa. No, 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 no. Black Panther is a mantle. It can go to anybody. T'Challa is T'Challa. Yeah. Okay. Because I don't want. Because the thing, what I don't want to happen, I don't want this to fuel the crabs in a barrel mentality, where some people are like, "Oh well, if Shuri gets the title, I'm, I'm not gonna support it." Like, wait a minute, hold on now. Like, this is still for the culture now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? That's just still for us. Little you sexism know, creeping uh, in there, uh, right? Like, I don't want to fuel any type of sexism or division. That's why I tell people this is not about Shuri. Don't don't put that in there. Because yeah. this is not about it's her. It's two different topics. I don't care if she, you know, I don't mind. I don't mind if she has the title. That It's okay. She had it in the comics. But guess what? T'Challa was still alive too. You know? I mean, my man was in a coma. <laughs> she was doing her thing. Yeah, but he was and around. He woke up. And he was around. So to me, I'm just saying like, yo, I'm not even saying y'all have to recast today. I'm not even saying you have to do that. But get off this indefinite stuff. Get off this idea because people have falsely believed that Marvel was only going to do this for Black Panther 2. That's not true. They never said that. They ne- they doubled down and said, no, we're just not recasting. So 
that's kind of the big problem there where, you know, these people are just kind of like not seeing the danger of what will eventually happen. And I'm just trying to get ahead of the curve because right now I'm trying to drum up awareness to show Marvel that we do care about the child. Mm-hmm. And I understand that some people don't know how much they care about him. And I don't want them to find out after they realize they get rid of his character in Black Panther 2 and everybody's sitting there like, oh man, what the hell? Like, what what did you guys do? That'd be too late at that point. So I'm just trying to get ahead of the curve so that way we can get this together early. And hey, if Marvel wants to be like, oh, we was never going to do that. Yeah, okay. Hey, man, whatever. Y'all <laughs> whatever. We're good. We're right good. Now, <laughs> do whatever you got to do. Because I think that there's a false notion out there that black folks can't juggle or handle emotional pain. And I'm like, we've been doing that for that's, centuries. That's This is what we do. <laughs> this, it's sad, but we are the masters of juggling pain and, and joy at the same time. This has been great, man. Uh, we got on that passionate topic that we both very passionate about. I really do appreciate it. Uh, give Let everybody know one more time where they can reach you and anything else you want to say and promote. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, E-Man's Movie Reviews, YouTube, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, follow all of them because I throw different things on different platforms. Uh, of course, you know, all the videos are going to be on YouTube so you can catch the interviews uh, the the theories, the reviews there, uh, Facebook fan page. Uh, if you like movie news, uh, memes, apparently people really like the movie memes. So if you want to funny, you have some good ones. Uh, you know, if you want a good laugh and have a good time, come and check out the Facebook page. Uh, the Twitter, I'll say it's low key. My, my, uh, I don't have a lot of big following there and I'm okay with that, but you will see more of my thoughts there. You know, like I will be a little bit more unfiltered on Twitter. So you definitely want to follow me there. And of course, you know, Instagram is uh same thing. So um yeah, and I mean uh as for what's coming up, you've got um Falcon and Winter Soldier. I'll be breaking those down weekly as well. Um and I'll be doing live videos every Friday around seven o'clock. Um and that's just basically for all of us to kind of come together after we watch the video or uh, the episode. And just, you know, talk about it, you know, just react to whatever things happen, uh, go over it. And then, of course, I give you my full breakdown of the episodes. Um, And I do have some interviews that you definitely want to check out um, very soon. So uh, that is about it. I'm sure I got some other stuff coming up, but y'all got to subscribe, subscribe so you don't miss out. I appreciate it, man. This was absolutely great.